Hello and welcome to this special podcast episode brought to you by the Treasury Today Group. In October, Treasury Today Group's Women in Treasury US Forum took place at the distinctly elegant Midtown Lofton Terrace in New York. In attendance were over 100 guests from some of the region's largest companies. We awarded our Women of the Year in America's Award to two outstanding female Treasury leaders and promoted this year's Treasury Today Group's Women in Treasury Global Equity Study 2023, sponsored by Standard Chartered. Above all, it was a chance for the unique Treasury community to meet in person once again. Meg Coates, publisher and head of operations, began by welcoming everyone to the event, remarking how the initiative has come a long way since its launch 11 years ago. Milestones include hosting an event with Microsoft CFO Amy Hood at their Seattle headquarters and participating in the unveiling of Fearless Girl at her permanent home outside the New York Stock Exchange. Next, Sophie Jackson, Treasury Today's publisher and head of strategic content, hosted a fireside chat with Andrea Amozuritia Casillas, Finance and Sustainability Director at Grupo Herdez, discussing DEI progress in Mexico and Andrea's career achievements and work in mentoring. Well, I work in, in a company that uh, is in the food state space in Mexico. So more than 50% of the purchasing decision comes from women. So we talk a lot about women, but uh, internally we were not picking so much. Yeah. So like having access to all the information because I was the, like the one pushing for our first um, the diagnosis of the yeah. of gender inside. So having all that information was like eye-opening to me yeah. that we needed to make a specific uh, actions and impulse programs in order to make the situation change. So that's where it all started and it was like a couple of years ago. And from there I discovered like a personal passion mm-hmm. and uh, I got involved in well, mentoring some other women, not only uh, inside the company, with, but with others. And uh, we also started with a program of uh, training women in the supply chain that had small businesses. So at the end, we can incorporate them into uh, our supply chain. So that has proven to be a very successful program. After this, we hosted an inspiring panel discussion with four industry experts. So today's panel discussion will be moderated by Sophie Jackson with a fantastic lineup of speakers. Sheila Quintus, Vice President and Corporate Treasurer at Medtronic. Lide Majiagbe, Global Head of Financing and Liquidity at BNY Mellon. Jaina Bundy, General Manager of Procurement at Microsoft. And Jennifer Acosta, Managing Director, Global Head of Media and Telecom and North America Enterprise Technology at JP Morgan. The discussion opened with Jaina, sharing her career history and recent move to procurement. Jaina has worked for Microsoft for nearly 19 years, mostly in Treasury roles or related fields. She commented on the transferable skills Treasury gives. I think one of the benefits of Treasury, as you all know, is that we touch so many things in what we do, so many things across our companies. And I think people think of Treasury as very specialized, um, and it is but it's actually very broad um, in terms of the experiences that we get and the teams that we work with. And so 
About five months ago, I took a job as chief procurement officer at Microsoft, which is super exciting. Um, and I often get people asking me, like, that's a really weird move. You know, <laughs> like, they're like, it's very inquisitive. And I was like, it's actually really not, if yeah. you think about it. If, yeah. you, if you really think, maybe if you're thinking of like treasury as like capital markets and investing, maybe. But the experiences that we all learn in treasury apply very well to a role like procurement. Um, when I was in treasury, one of the roles I had throughout the years was invoice to cash. We didn't do order, but we did invoice to cash. And so I had global credit and collections. And so I kind of moved from the order to cash or invoice to cash side to procure to pay. So I just wear a different hat. Sometimes I have to go like this and like, which hat am I wearing? Oh yeah, I'm wearing this one. But it's not that different in terms of the experiences and what I learned in treasury that prepared me for this role. So you think about it and it's like, things like the importance of cash flow, risk management, compliance, building strong partnerships, all those skills and experiences I learned and built in treasury were easy to apply to procurement. So I'm super excited that I was able to make that move fairly easily. Not that it's not a great job and has its own different challenges, yeah. But I think I was prepared because of Treasury. Fellow panelist Sheila shared her career history and role at Metronic. She spoke about the company's attributes and shared values that makes it a desirable workplace. But I think Metronic's mission, and a lot of companies of course have those, but Metronic has a mission that has six tenants. And of course, it would have the things you'd expect for a healthcare company. So, you know, being best in class in biomedical engineering and quality. But the last two tenants of the mission one of them is the value of every single employee of the company, and, and the last one is being a good citizen, good citizenship. And we come back to that like all the time, and so I think that's been a huge um, reason to sort of stay and want to contribute in that way. Lyde shared her views on representation and how that has changed throughout her career. So I remember when I started as an analyst, I didn't think representation mattered. And I'll explain that. I thought, work really hard and you'll be very successful. And, and I can give context to that. I was born in Nigeria. Being black was the majority. So I didn't really think about representation. Yeah. I went to a girls-only boarding school. So being a woman was the majority for me. So again, it didn't matter. Then I moved to the UK at 16 and I came from a Nigerian father, and there was three things I could do. I could either be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. <laughs> that was it. Um, so I picked engineering because it seemed like I could be okay there. But then I got, and so things started to become different. Being part of a community where I wasn't the majority was a new thing for me at 16. Um, and then I started my career, but I was like, it didn't kind of matter. There was two girls in my whole course for the whole year, it didn't really mean anything to me. As I got senior though, and most of my career, I joined my first bank, which was Goldman Sachs, and I was there for quite a bit. There was very few people that looked like me, or were women, and it didn't really matter. As I started to get more senior, the importance of representation started to come to light because working hard was no longer the point. It's more nuanced, it's qualitative, it's not quantitative anymore. The idea of meritocracy was echoed by Jennifer, who explained how, like Lyde, her belief in meritocracy has changed over the course of her career. So early in my career, I 
completely believed in it. I was like, keep my head down, work hard, it will get noticed. And I learned over time that that is not enough. Yeah. Um, it's not noticed and you need, we'll talk a little bit later about sponsors and advocates, et cetera. So I think in theory, it's a novel idea. I don't think it's realistic. Yeah. Um, and I read a lot of studies that actually demonstrate that meritocracy is in direct conflict with equity. Um, wow. So we really need to focus on, um, in the way that I think about it, is that we have different starting points. We have different relationships. We have different experiences. We have different barriers to cross. We did a, um, a women's leadership event at J.P. Morgan, and one of the comics that the um, head of Women on the Move for the firm put up there was, it was a racetrack. And I don't know if anybody was, had attended, but it was a racetrack. And on the right were two male men in their suits, and they're on the racetrack, and they're ready to go. And on the right is two women on the racetrack ready to go. But in front of them is hurdle, 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 hurdle. Yeah. So I think there's just a recognition that there are certain things that we have to deal with uniquely to us as we get through our career and to balance as we go through it. So the playing field isn't level. And, in, and because the playing field isn't level, it's not possible always to get the right experiences and skills needed for that role that you're competing with, mm -hmm. right? So we have to really acknowledge that and do what we can to level up those around us um, to make sure that you're ready for that experience. The conversation turned to DEI progress. Jaina reflected how involved Microsoft is in creating diversity and the opportunities available to support colleagues and give back. At Microsoft, we have nine employee resource groups, yeah. um, which are really great. And I think it's super important to have those groups for the communities that benefit, but also to be allies um, in those groups as well. I have been super fortunate. When I look back at my career at Microsoft, I was really engaged, and we've talked about this in the past, yeah. in a program called um, Senior Women in Finance. And um, it helped me grow through coaching, through mentoring, through teaching. Like, can't say enough about it, really. I'm now leading Women in Finance, which is a subgroup of women in Microsoft. Um, and so that's exciting, too, for a community of women to come together. And it's just a group that everyone values a lot um, in terms of that community. But one of the things I think that's also important is being an ally yeah. to other communities. And so one of the groups is, you know, we have blacks at Microsoft that I'm allied to. And one that's really important to me is our LBGTQIA um, community as well. And so most recently, I was very honored, and we talked about yeah. this story. One of my peers who, he's transgender, he asked me to do a fireside chat with him so he could introduce um, his story yeah. to our organization that I sit in, which is 650 people. And I thought he's super brave to do that, and I felt so honored that he would ask me to to. And I think it was part of being an ally in that community and getting to, to know things that he had gone through. And so I think it's super special for us all to be involved in those type of initiatives. Similarly, Sheila discussed her approach to advocacy. I'm also the sponsor of the Muslims and Friends ERG at Medtronic. And it's a tough day and week in, in the world right now. And totally speaking extemporaneously, yeah. by the way, so I didn't plan this. But it's a tough day, right? It's a tough day when all we want to show is and have is compassion. But especially in what I've, I've we spoke out a little bit of is these is faith-based ERGs where you've got the intersection of faith, culture, race, gender. Um, it's it's really intense, um, and so that's been humbling for me. I've just I've been in contact with the the chair of that ERG to say how how do I right because I am not Muslim, but I am I am your friend, 
and I want to show you that and let you know that, but I want to make sure that I do that the right way. And sometimes we don't know how to do it. And, and we, what we also talked about was also, again, again, post-George Floyd in particular, with both the Muslim and Friends group that I'm in, as well as the African Descent Network, is making sure that as someone who has a lot of privilege, making sure that I know when to step back and be quiet and actually, actually give a lot of space and respect mm. um, as people who are being impacted in ways that I just simply can't understand because I haven't had the life experience is to really step back and do that. Um, it's always paid off, right? But, um, but it's, it is tricky. Lyde highlighted the DEI progress she has seen throughout her career. I look around, first of all, this group, I've, this is amazing to see this many women in a room um, and that tells you we've come a long way. I look at most of my peers in my institution and women are a majority at my level and that's amazing. Yeah. Where do we need to go though? The other thing I like about the conversation is many times, and, and I was in the naive camp as well of like, let's just give, give, give and it would work. If the conversation on diversity, equity and inclusion is focused just on doing the right thing, frankly, we're humans. We don't always want to do the right thing. Um, when it started to become about commercial success, when yeah. it started to become about you're not going to get the brightest minds in your field if there isn't that right representation, I think that started to change. The other thing is like people focusing, I remember when I was growing up in, at, at Goldman, my two managers were women, but they smoked and I don't smoke. <laughs> and if anyone remembers the smoking days, people would go out and have a smoke and literally discuss everything about business out there. <laughs> and then they come back. At some point I wanted to pick up smoking, but that's one <laughs> just to be part of the conversation. But now people are aware of their biases. People. Uh, we're talking about these things. We're talking about how, like, think about that action. You are excluding people in the conversation. Mm. So it's great that we've come a long way. When I say there's still a lot to go, I feel mostly women are majority at my level. But as you start to go further, it's less so. And so there is work to do. But I'm encouraged by where we are. I think the fact that most institutions are linking it to commercial success, that drives yeah. people. And I think that that's what we will need to continue to do. Speaking on the importance of sponsoring a mentorship, Jaina shared how having strong female leaders and mentors has been instrumental to her career development. I feel like they've always been supportive, but I think one of the things, it's not just the support, because they challenge hard, yeah. right? They're <laughs> tough. But I think, you know, when I look back at my experiences working with them and kind of the opportunities, it's, I think, where they've given me or challenged me to take risks in my mm -hmm. career that have been key. And that's tough. You know, we get to the point where it's like imposter syndrome, or I can't do that, or oh my gosh, and you talked earlier about like not having the requirements for a job and yeah. finding why you're not qualified versus how you are. They push to yeah. say, no, 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 don't think about that. Um, even in my new role, like, you know, you think about it and you're like, okay, I'm not a procurement SME. I haven't spent 30 years in procurement, but what I could do is tell you why my experiences across treasury apply. Mm. And so you have to like, and they helped with that, right? And I think, I think from a sponsorship perspective, it's super important. Yeah. And I don't know how deep we'll go, but it's like you have, you know, your coaching, your mentoring, and your yeah, sponsorship, yeah, yeah. and they've definitely been sponsors. Those people in the room who are talking about you and you don't know it, um, that are critical. But I do think I always felt challenged. Like Anita would always say, and I pay this forward, by the <laughs> way, and people, some people hate it. But I, I'm like, 
When someone tells me I can't do that or I'm afraid, I'm like, that's the one we're going to yeah. work on together to get you to do because I've always felt like that one opportunity that I was afraid of yeah. and I had fear and I didn't think I could do it. Once I did it, I was like, yes, that's how I grew and developed at Microsoft. And so I'm always encouraging people. I always say, like, do one thing every day that you're afraid of yeah. to really keep yourself. So they've been critical, I think, in, in my growth and sponsorship at Microsoft. The panel discussion concluded with advice for those in the room. Jennifer shared her advice regarding sponsorship and mentoring. So I think everybody should be both. Mentors they have a very wide net. Like you, people are thirsty for advice, for guidance. Mm -hmm. Open yourself up to lots of opportunities, male, female, different ages, doesn't matter, different roles. Doesn't have to be within treasury, within sales, within markets or whatever. Like reach out across your firms and, and get involved in mentorship because people need it. Um, sponsorship, to your point, um, it's really important to pick people that are gonna advocate on your behalf when you're not there. But what I would say, as sponsors, I think it's equally our responsibility to look for people that need help being lifted up. Yeah. I was at an event last week and our global chairman of investment banking was interviewing um, Julie Sweet, who's the CEO of Accenture. Is anybody from Accenture here? Anyways, she was promoted to the CEO of, of Accenture and Jennifer, who was you know, her coverage investment banker, and her whole network of women independently reached out to her and said, you're going to need to know this person. You're going to need this kind of help. Let me introduce you over here. So if you're in a position to help and in a position, I don't want to say power, but just in a position to yeah. help someone make a connection or help them advance their career, that we should take ownership in doing that, as well as we all need to take ownership in finding those people. Mm -hmm. But you know, take ownership on ourselves to help lift someone up um, and as you move along in your career. And Sheila gave advice for those looking to become more inclusive leaders. I think it's being transparent and, yeah. and, and not even attempting to be perfect. I think that goes a long way. I mentioned before, I think that encouraging people to be in spaces that are uncomfortable is actually part of it. But you can't just push them there. You yeah. have to like kind of take them by the hand a lot of the times and actually bring them with you. Mm -hmm. um, and I've done that several times. And by far the most rewarding times is when I then see those people on their own go take their yeah. steps. It's that's, that's, we, that's like the ripple, right? That's like the toe in the water, get the ripple going and then see it go. And that's, that's the powers there is in that creating that, that motion, if you will. And it just, it just seems to work so well, but it's, it takes, we've talked a lot about like confidence and, and being brave and, and some of these things are, you know, they're uncomfortable and they're scary. And so I think just trying to, trying to be there with people mm. um, is kind of how I've tended to approach it. A big thank you to our guest speaker, Andrea, and this year's panellists, Jaina, Lyde, Sheila and Jennifer, and to everyone who joined us on the day. Thanks also to our sponsors, BNY Mellon and JP Morgan. If you'd like to hear more of our podcast episodes, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join our Women in Treasury community on LinkedIn.